Welcome to Budget Watchdog, All Federal, the podcast dedicated to making sense of the budget, spending, and tax issues facing the nation. Cut through the partisan rhetoric and talking points for the facts about what's being talked about, bandied about, and pushed in Washington. Brought to you by Taxpayers for Common Sense. And now, the host of Budget Watchdog AF, TCS President Steve Ellis. Welcome to all American taxpayers seeking common sense. You've made it to the right place. For over 25 years, TCS, that's Taxpayers for Common Sense, has served as an independent, nonpartisan budget watchdog group based in Washington, D.C. We believe in fiscal policy for America that is based on facts. We believe in transparency and accountability because no matter where you are on the political spectrum, no one wants to see their tax dollars wasted. Today, we're bringing you an end of 2022 year in review episode. I've gathered the whole TCS team to break down what we've accomplished and seen here at the end of the 117th Congress, plus the keenest insights on what to expect from the 118th Congress getting underway in January. Welcome back, watchdogs. All right, let's get started. Autumn Hannah, what do you got for our budget watchdog AF faithful? Well, Steve, one of the biggest wins for taxpayers this year really in TCS history, was a suite of oil and gas fiscal reforms that got included in the Inflation Reduction Act. To be fair, the Inflation Reduction Act was a big bill. And while we have a lot of questions about all the pieces of that bill and where the money is going to be spent and how much um, you know, we'll get from all of that, these reforms were super significant and a big, big part of our work for the last, what, 28 years now. And that's because it's been over 100 years since we've seen the oil and gas royalty rate be updated. We went from 12.5% originally set in 1920 to 16.67%. So more than four percentage point jump and something that we've really been trying to get updated for a long time. That's because states like Texas have been charging 25%. And even for offshore oil and gas produced on federal waters, we're getting 18.75% in royalties. This is taxpayer-owned oil and gas, and we're just getting shortchanged year after year, losing billions of dollars in revenue. And that's a a big win we'll take after 100 years. Now, royalty rates weren't the only fiscal reform we got in the bill that was a big win. Rental rates and minimum bid amounts also got an update for the first time since President Reagan was in office. They hadn't even been adjusted for inflation in over three decades. And another big win for us was on non-competitive leasing for oil and gas. We exposed this issue in 2018 when a company in Montana had leased over 100,000 acres. We were sitting out the bidding process while nominating the parcels and then getting the parcels for no bid at all. Our work was featured in the New York Times, but the problem kept on and we weren't able to get any reforms until this summer. In, in places like Nevada, the majority of leases had been leased non-competitively. So overall, another big win for us. And hopefully we can make sure that leases are now competitive, more competitive and used for oil and gas. As you can imagine, things like this and these outdated rates led to a lot of speculation and abuse of federal lands and resources. One other thing we got was an expression of interest fee that could help protect from the speculation too. Because like I said, when you're not 
developing the land for oil and gas and you're getting it so cheap, then taxpayers are really losing because you can't even use it for other things like recreation or other energy and development. So all told, a pretty good year on the fiscal side for the federal oil and gas leasing system and taxpayers. So we're really looking to build on these reforms in 2023. That's really great, Autumn. I mean, it's been quite a big year and quite a big win. So thanks for sharing that with the podcast listeners. And uh, so let's uh, shift gears and check in with Mike Sorisco. Mike, what do you got? Hey, Steve. Um, So I think what I'm most excited about um, after uh, our work during 2022 is some of the things that we're moving into now in the climate space. Um, As regular listeners probably know, we do a lot of work on energy issues and agriculture issues and defense issues that could be considered as part of this. And I'm sure some of my colleagues will talk more about that. What I'd like to talk about is some of the changes that are going to hopefully be happening in the way that the federal government buys goods and services uh, and the possibility that some of that will now include consideration about climate costs. And so we've started working on this back in March. We did a op-ed in the, a publication called Inkstick that talks about how the Department of Defense, uh, one of the largest consumers of energy uh, institutionally and the largest consumer of petroleum should weight the proposals, uh, requests for proposals for its procurement to include consideration of the way that certain suppliers are reducing their carbon footprint, uh, which is similar to some comments that we submitted to the Securities and Exchange Commission over the summer that would require companies to report as part of their SEC filings the amount of greenhouse gases that they uh, emit and what are their vulnerabilities to climate risks. And so finally, this has culminated, you could say, in some work that we're doing most recently on the federal acquisition regulations, which are, as they as the name implies, they cover a broad range of uh, rules for the federal government uh, as it's buying goods and services. And what's being proposed is that federal acquisition rules generally would begin to uh, have a preferential treatment for companies that are measuring and reporting their greenhouse gas emissions and adopting a plan to cut down on those emissions. And this is obviously a big deal. For us, I think one of the best parts about this is it's a really cost-effective way for the federal government to meet its policy goals. We spend a lot of money on subsidizing things and on different federal programs. But by changing our buying habits, we can move entire markets because of the purchasing power of the federal government and how all of the changes that may happen uh, for federal suppliers could ripple through the economy. So, you know, we're expecting some more on this at the beginning of 2023. You can expect to hear a lot more about this from us next year. Uh, And I think, you know, this is an area to watch because it could have big impact on how we start to include some of these climate costs in our economic activity. Wow. Thanks a lot, Mike. You know, I think this is a a huge area uh, for work for us. And it's like really 
kind of another spin on the power of the purse. I mean, you know, at least we're going to get something by buying so much uh, goods and services and really try to benefit taxpayers and the climate. And, you know, this isn't the only time we've kind of put our thumb on the scale for acquisition. You know, there are set-asides for small business, minority-owned, women-owned, veteran-owned, Alaska Native tribes. And so this is something that makes a lot of sense. And it's it's a really good area for TCS to be involved in. Thanks for that. All right, so let's shift over to our uh, Oracle of Omaha, uh, Sheila Korth, although um, we're lucky that she's actually here in D.C. for a few days and so um, is sharing her wisdom from here, but still has all of that Nebraska Cornhusker uh, wisdom. So, Sheila, what do you have? Thanks, Steve. <clears throat> I actually thought about buying a Warren Buffett book for our holiday party recently, but um, somehow we got diverted into buying something else instead. Um, but I've actually gotten asked this question a lot recently as to whether or not our work actually accomplishes anything. And I think we get so focused on the next thing ahead, the next big bill or the next reform to uh, try to achieve that we forget about some of our accomplishments. So I love that we're doing this today. Um, the one that I'm going to talk about today is actually about a $20 billion increase in agriculture conservation funding that was added to the Inflation Reduction Act passed earlier this year that you heard about. So these are things like funding farmers to plant cover crops and um, maybe recreate or improve wetlands and wildlife habitat, maybe even plant trees that have a lot of benefits for things like air quality, water quality, climate, and can also improve farmers' bottom lines. So my dad actually has a farm and you can see some of these ag conservation dollars at work. And so it's great to be able to point to some of these things um, when I show my kids what I work on as well, when I can point to conservation uh, reserve program land um, or other programs and the benefits that they provide on the land. Um, These programs are very oversubscribed at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, so it's great that there's been more funding put towards some of these programs, um, which can do a lot of good because a lot of times uh, farmers will submit an application and USDA just doesn't have enough money to fund those programs. Um, So, uh, but as a taxpayer group, we definitely want to ensure that this money is spent wisely and goes towards the projects with, with the best bang for taxpayers' buck. And so we're doing a lot of work on that front and we'll continue to do so over the next few years. And then finally, uh, Steve, as you know, we can't be on a podcast without talking about the Farm Bill, especially Josh. And so going into next year with the new Farm Bill, we want to ensure that we aren't funding new subsidies or continuing wasteful subsidies that undercut some of these conservation goals and work at cross purposes with other government programs. So we have, of course, more work to do, but we need to celebrate this accomplishment as well um, for taxpayers and farmers alike. Well, I'm glad that we got you here to uh, celebrate it with us here in person, Sheila. And uh, so even though I know you're heading back soon, but uh, it's been great having you here for a few days. And um, since you already teased the farm bill, Josh is probably upset you stepped on him a little bit. But um, let's turn to Josh Rasool to tell the podcast listeners what he wants to celebrate this year. Well, Steve, I want to celebrate the fact that we got the farm bill band back together. I know it's a great thing. I, I talk about the farm bill a lot. But the Farm Bill is truly around the corner. It's on the list of priorities for Congress next 
session. So we spent the last year reaching out to our potential friends. And this November, we released Joint Principles for Common Sense Reform in the Farm Bill. Us at TCS, the R Street Institute, the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition, and U.S. PERG all got together and agreed on the need for significant and fundamental Farm Bill reform. And the great thing about this band singing from the same sheet is that we're all coming at this from very different perspectives. But if this diverse Motley crew can find common ground, I'm truly optimistic that we can make a farmer and taxpayer-friendly farm bill a true reality in 2023. You're listening to Budget Watchdog All Federal, the podcast dedicated to making sense of the budget, spending, and tax issues facing the nation. I'm your host, TCS President Steve Ellis, and we continue now with the TCS team. Mia Huang, what you got? Well, Steve, I'd say another win for taxpayers worth mentioning is that federal agencies are taking actions to tackle methane waste. I highly recommend checking out our episode 29 on venting and flaring if you're interested in learning more about the problem of methane waste on federal lands. So to sum things up, current rules allow oil and gas companies to waste billions of cubic feet of natural gas extracted from federal lands through the practice of venting and flaring. And much of this gas is wasted without incurring a royalty. So not only are consumers deprived of a valuable energy source that could have been brought to market, federal taxpayers were also denied a fair return on a resource that's extracted from federal lands. And methane, the largest component of natural gas, is also a very potent greenhouse gas that contributes to climate change. So talk about a triple whammy for taxpayers. Do we have any idea how much natural gas has been wasted, Mia, and how much that has cost taxpayers? Yes and no. We do have the data, but it's a little bit flawed. So according to self-reported data from oil and gas companies, approximately 300 billion cubic feet, or BCF, of natural gas was vented, flared, and wasted on federal lands. That's enough energy to power more than 3.2 million households' electricity use. If we use the average monthly Henry Hub natural gas spot prices, this gas had an estimated value of close to a billion dollars. But the real volume and value of that lost gas is likely much higher due to underreporting and the lack of oversight. But the good news is that the Bureau of Land Management, the agency that oversees the federal onshore oil and gas program, released a proposed rule last month to address this blatant waste of taxpayer resources. The EPA also issued a supplemental proposed rule that would expand and strengthen performance standards for oil and gas facilities, but their focus is more on reducing methane emissions as a pollutant and a greenhouse gas. We look forward to engaging with agencies on these rules in 2023. Specifically, we really hope that any final BLM methane rule will eliminate or phase out the wasteful practice of non-emergency venting on flaring. Got it, Mia. Thank you very much. Uh, so, Wendy Jordan, uh, any national security wins you want to tell the podcast listeners about? Absolutely, Steve. Thanks for asking. There are actually two things that I think were significant wins for uh, good government and oversight in the national security area, and they're really two sides of the same coin. Um, as uh, people who are close readers uh, of TCS uh, analysis and close listeners to the podcast, uh, no, we've been spending a lot of time paying attention to the money that is being uh, sent uh, under emergency conditions in, through emergency supplemental appropriations bills uh, to help Ukraine. Um, 
Some of that is humanitarian assistance. A lot of it is direct military assistance. Uh, but whatever type of assistance it is, it's tens of billions of dollars that's being spent. Uh, and we've been pointing out for months that we are sending this money to a country that is under siege, literally under siege. The government is working out of bunkers. You know, sometimes they have electricity, sometimes they don't have electricity, sometimes they have running water, sometimes they don't have running water. And we're just sending this money and equipment and uh, ammunition and you name it. And that is a recipe for loss. And the loss can be from simple human error and it can be from fraud. Uh, it can be various reasons that you would lose track of munitions or money or aid of any type. So we've been asking for more oversight. And the big win for us this year on that topic was that the Pentagon policy bill, which uh, passed in the House and the Senate, requires several federal IGs, not just the Pentagon IG, several federal inspectors general uh, to do greater oversight of how that money is being spent, where it's going, and report to Congress on those findings. So that's huge. Uh, we needed exactly that kind of oversight. Uh, TCS led a group letter to the Hill asking for that type of oversight, and uh, we got it in the Pentagon policy bill. Now, the other side of that same coin is for more than six years, the inspector general in the Department of Defense has been an interim placeholder. It was not the permanent inspector general. Uh, there was a, um, an inspector general nominated uh, for to take that job, and he was held up for months and months and months. And over things non-germane to uh, his work, frankly. Uh, so finally, the Senate confirmed the Pentagon Inspector General about two weeks ago. And so that person can now hit the ground running in the Pentagon with a mandate, among many, many other things on his plate, to do greater oversight of the tens of billions of dollars that are being sent to Ukraine. That's great, Wendy. Thanks. And, uh, you know, it reminds me that the, there's still not just in DOD, but there's other places in government where they still don't have a confirmed inspector generals. And these are folks that are rooting out waste and are, are really great friends of taxpayers. And just hearing from you, Wendy, reminds me, and I wanted to tell all our budget watchdog AAF faithful that um, uh, Wendy's, you know, been pulling together our our holiday card version of the weekly wastebasket, uh, where you can hear a little bit about what we've uh, all been up to and what's been happening to your favorite TCS staff uh, this last year. So please uh, take a look at uh, taxpayer.net and subscribe. And uh, pictures. We have pictures. This is true. Cats, dogs, oh my. Uh, oh my. All right. Now, uh, oh, and maybe even a bunny. Um, okay. Thanks, Steve. So now. <laughs> Better than cats and dogs, kittens and puppies. That's yes, yes. what sells and calendars, and, and we're hoping and to sell some waste baskets too. Yes, yes. So, so I, I'm glad you appreciated that. Uh, shout out to your your bunny rabbit, Sheila. All right, now over to you, Tyler. Tyler, work. What do you got for us? Thanks, Steve. A TCS accomplishment. I'm very excited to have the chance to talk about with you is TCS's new wildfire program. As you know, wildfire has always been an important issue for federal taxpayers. 
Every year, we spend billions of dollars on wildfire prevention and suppression, as well as helping communities rebuild after wildfire events. And as wildfires across the country continue to increase in both size and intensity, so is the federal government's commitment to helping address these devastating disasters. In response to this rising threat, Congress has included additional wildfire spending. That's more money on top of the billions we already spend in recent legislation. Like last year, Congress authorized an additional $5.5 billion in the Bipartisan Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And while these investments are important steps in protecting taxpayers, we know spending billions of dollars alone will not solve the wildfire crisis. In fact, if left unchecked, haphazard or misguided programs could even take us backwards in the fight for increased wildfire resilience. TCS has a long history of analyzing spending and policymaking, including our From the Ashes Wildfire Report that we published more than 20 years ago. And we're using this experience to dig into both past and current wildfire spending across various federal agencies. We've already started using this research to connect with groups on the ground and really look forward to releasing a full report early next year. Thank you, Tyler. It is a really exciting area to be working in and a a very important area. And uh, so thank you very much for that update. And I'm sure our listeners appreciate that, too. Let's turn to uh, Gabby Sanchez. I know you've been looking through some of our performance metrics and such along those lines. What do you have to report to our podcast listeners? Steve, we were prolific with 121 different analysis of public policy issues, 51 weekly waste baskets, and 19 investigative reports, the watchdogs were busy. Also, there were 10 public comments and 20 letters to Congress where we were joined by more than 60 different co-signing groups across the political spectrum. But wait, there's more. TCS was cited by more than 1,150 media outlets from NBC News and Fox News to the New York Times and Casper Star Tribune to USA Today, among others. 22 podcasts, counting this one and 14 opets. We definitely were out there. Sounds like it, Gabby, and I like the like the little infomercial, but wait, there's more. Uh, so I could hear a little Ron Popeil from Ronco. So thank you very much. Next, I'd like to turn to our uh, good friend and colleague, Ike Obi, but um, he couldn't make it today. But I do know what he would be touting. Budget Watchdog AF listeners know that the last time they heard the dulcet tones of Ike's voice, he was talking about going out for Halloween as one of the new IRS employees hired under the $90 billion in extra cash provided by the aforementioned Inflation Reduction Act, the IRA. This became a touchstone and it's something that's going to be a touchstone going forward, but it was something that TCS staunchly defended and recognizing that this could save taxpayers $200 billion over the next decade. So you're spending $90 billion to get $200 billion in savings. And not only that, there was a tax about how the 87,000 employees, which they're expecting about 60,000 retirements over the next decade. These 87,000 new employees uh, were really agents. You know, they were sort of going to be portrayed as jackbooted thugs with pocket protectors. 
Well, in reality, these are employees for one of the oldest workforces in the federal government. And that it was going to, as I mentioned, replace a lot of the retirements and actually help respond to people's phone calls. You've probably heard about how people were calling the IRS and not getting through. And so that's one thing. And then also to be able to conduct more extensive investigations into exotic and abusive tax schemes. So this is something that is good for taxpayers, is good for the IRS, is really good for government. And so it's something that we uh, definitely defended and supported and were cited by a lot of fact checkers. It's something I know that um, we're going to be having to work on next year as well, but it's an investment. And so now I guess I'll turn the uh, the microphone or the question back to me um, and to what I wanted to cite. And uh, as my colleagues, longtime colleagues have known that I've been a big proponent of Presponding to natural disasters. Um, and by presponding, I mean that we're actually using uh, funds after a disaster to actually prespond, pre respond to the future natural disasters. And I'm proud to say that an op ed that I penned in New York Newsday had presponding in the title. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking credit for that. And that actually gets into what we're talking about, what Tyler talked about with wildfires and the issues there and a lot of other issues. The other thing is just last week, the Community Disaster Resilience Zones Act was passed by both chambers. And this would actually use data to identify and designate communities with the highest natural hazard risk the lowest resilience and highest needs to direct resources to these communities in every state of the union. And this to me is also an important small but incremental step to try to make sure that our disaster dollars are being used most effectively where they're most needed in an equitable fashion and responding to future disasters that we know will occur. And I'd like to just take one moment here to also, one, to thank all of you Budget Watchdog, all federal podcast listeners. We really hope you've enjoyed listening to our full suite of programs this year. And then also, I want to thank my colleagues for coming on and sharing some of our successes. It's been a really great year at TCS. And I'm sure if you go and visit our website at taxpayer.net, you'll see a lot more. So thanks again to all my colleagues. There you have it, listeners. The struggle is real and the fight continues to make sure your government doesn't spend our tax dollars poorly, but actually spends them wisely and appropriately on the right things. This is The Frequency. Mark it on your dial. Subscribe and share. And know this, America, taxpayers has your back. We'll be back with a new episode in January, and I hope you'll meet us right here.